I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't meet her that day because every room I was going, she already left. So by the time she started to talk, then I had to go to my chair. So I was front row. So I decided to throw her a shower cap at the end and she was dancing with it. I was like, my God, security could do something to me. But I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. I don't care. From Six Story, I'm your producer, Diana Hong, and you're listening to Rev Up Your Potential with Hilda Gann, the show where we talk with entrepreneurs in Toronto about the stories behind their success and the lessons they've learned along the way. And now your host, Hilda Gann. Hilda Gann, Rev Up Your Potential, and I'm excited today. I have Zuli Matalana, and she is the creator of the Tiara Shower Cap back here. And I'm dying to hear her story and her journey. She comes from Colombia and she came to Canada and she's grown this Tiara shower cap business from here. So you're in for a treat. Welcome, Zuli. Thank you so much, Hilda. I'm really excited to join you. Being part of Ella, you know, it was great. And, and now being together here, Ella connected us and now we're doing something else. I so admired your shower cap. I actually remember you from the Grow Your Biz days when your shower cap was a buzz and women were excited about that. So tell us a little bit about your business today. And then I want to take us back to before you started your company. So basically, Tiara, right now, we're, we're you know, trying to grow as every entrepreneur every day. We, we work, we meet people, we try to do new things. We submit our products and new opportunities and maybe we'll do history. Yeah, I mean, definitely I'm changing the way women use shower caps. I created a reusable and sustainable one. And I think it's actually getting a lot of attention because of its patented shape and functionality. So I'm quite excited about how is it going. And to talk about my, my beginnings, I mean, I definitely... Uh, didn't like shower caps. I mean, if we talk about the the, the, the product itself, but if, if we go even back when I was in Colombia, I would never have thought that I was going to land reinvented the shower cap. I thought that the shower cap was actually reinvented. But you know, sometimes we don't look at those things and we and we actually think that things are done. And you probably one advice that I give everyone is like, maybe your idea is very unique and you could explore it and, and actually develop it. And that's what happened to me. So let, let's talk about the shower cap and then we can go back uh, in time. What did you like about shower caps? And then why did you create this shower cap? <laughs> so basically, I didn't like the functionality of shower caps. I explained that during Dragon Then I really hated shower caps. And the shower caps I used left a red line in my forehead. I have a very like, special type of skin, very soft. So it lasted for over one hour. So people were actually looking at me and saying, what happened? What's going on? And I'm like, no, 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 it's nothing. And it's my shower cap. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I decided to put like a tennis band around and then put the shower cap in the shower. Like It was a whole process. And I was like, this is not possible. Like this cannot be happening to me. So I decided to go for the search of a shower cap, a good shower cap. And I never found it. I was like, come on, like, it's impossible. Like, doesn't exist. So I did a research, an extensive research, and actually found out that a lot of women were in the same search for a product that actually we use every day, right? Like almost every day. The you, days that you've got long hair. So how do you tuck it all up there too, right? 
So basically, I found a lot of issues with the shower cap. So basically, there was the uncomfortable pinching, the forehead creases. They were too small for my hair, right? And they, they actually allow water to come in. So water leaks. They didn't stay put. They smell bad after a few uses. Generally, it generated plastic waste. You know, every three months, I have to get rid of one and maybe look for another one because it didn't work, right? Like, so I was looking for something that was actually sustainable because of the short cycle. I thought, you know, I need to have it at least for a year, right? Like if you pay $20, you know, I was not paying the cheap ones because I really was against disposing it the next day. So in the end, I decided I have a business case and I went for it. I went to a company that helped me design it, uh, design it the, ba- the best way possible. And we submitted that design for a patent. And I was actually granted with a patent. And I'm one of the 8% of women who get patents in this world. So that's amazing, right? Like you, you it actually, from, from an idea, you just create something amazing. And, and patents take a long time. How long did it take you to actually... It actually didn't take long. It took me one year. I got a patent. Well, that, that, I mean, some people thought maybe you meant a week, but yeah. Okay. A year, but it is, it is, there's a commitment, right? You made a commitment that this is. Normally patents take three years, up to three years. I don't know right now with COVID, how is the situation, but patent, the patent worked really fast for me. So that was the sign that the business was feasible. And, and then the other sign was when I launched the product on Amazon and I saw the sales. So people were looking for that. And actually they keep buying shower caps, you know, like the possibility is huge. You know, we're just at the beginning of this journey. I have sold 60,000 shower caps. We can sell around 70 million, right? In only United States, like just for house use. So How long have you been at like the sales side of your business now? So we have been selling shower caps since 2018. Okay. May 2018, like seriously. So, and I'm learning in the process, right? Like I'm connecting to the right people. I'm very cautious about how I do it. So I, I'm, I'm actually taking a lot of steps to make it right. So right now we're actually going to rebrand our brand and we're going to be doing amazing things. So yeah, it takes steps, but you know, like it all depends, you know, I'm, I'm alone. I'm not uh, hiring anyone. I'm subcontracting people. So it takes probably a a bit longer. But, you know, we're getting into where we want to be in the hot spots and and, and hopefully getting into the right retailers, right? With COVID, everything is slowed down. Luckily, I got the support by... from a woman who actually used the shower cap and loved it. So my product speaks by itself. You know, I don't have to really promote it. People love it. And then they actually want to help. You talked about many things. You talked about functionality. You talked about eco-friendly. There's a lot of good things about what you're what you're selling, and, and we we all use shower caps. Women and men with long hair use shower caps. Oh yeah, but I have I have the purple version, so that if some of the boys in my family want to use it, I've got a kid with a lot longer hair than mine, so he could use the shower cap once in a while as well. And the funny thing about it is that in the household. Women use two to three shower caps. So I'm offering different colors. So people actually have their own shower cap and they can wash it and dry it and they can keep it for up to four years or five years. Mine is turning five years this year. So, you know, like it's, it's been amazing. It's, it's just an amazing journey and, and meeting a lot of people. Like, you know, I realized um, that my mission in life, like I was in Colombia, just trying to uh, connect the dots 
You know, I, in Colombia, I was a, a, a manager for a company that developed programs for poor people, right? Like, and I was the, the light of that people. I was actually helping them to create programs to, to get these, you know, communities uh, a way of living. Like, for instance, teaching them how to cut their hairs by themselves so they save money. Teaching them how to speak English. So, you know, we were giving classes for education to them. So they learn skills, new skills, how to do plumbing, how to do electricity. So all those skills, you know, I was able to motivate them. And I was a community leader at that point. And now I'm becoming, um, you know, a community leader for entrepreneurs. I was selected uh, as one of the 20 diverse women of Canada. That was a great recognition. And uh, I think my work, it's with my heart. So what I'm doing, it's actually touching people's lives as well. I think that's more deeper than a shower cap. I think my commitment is to uh, the environment. My commitment is to maybe make history. I think I'm making history by offering a product that um, lasts longer. And who knows, you know, in the future, maybe hotels will take my path and, and they will go and, 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 and offer this type of shower caps to, to their guests. So they actually help with the environment and stop the disposable cycle of uh, single-use plastic that actually kills um, a lot of sea life. What, what made you decide that, that not only did it have to be functional, but that you also wanted it to be sustainable? That was a main factor, you know. For me, the options were very cheap. Like I could make a lot of money if I choose a normal fabric because it's not made with plastic, it's made with fabric, recycled plastic fabric. So that's why it's durable. So when I decided not to go for it is when I just said, okay, my business model is not going to be based on cheap shower caps. It's going to be based on a functional, durable, and sustainable shower cap. I have a son. I have a seven-year-old son that I, you know, want to inspire. And uh, I think he's inspired already. It doesn't really need to be cheap. It could, people support sustainability. And actually, in the end, if you buy a $34 shower cap, that's the price for Canada, actually it will last you for four years. So if you dis- divide that into 300, 360 days times four, it ends up being cheaper than $1 shower cap, right? Yep, yep, yep. Take, take us back now to Colombia. You were always born to be an entrepreneur or you talked about doing good and helping the community and helping people become self-sustainable in their lives. And I think earlier before we started the show, you mentioned you were a journalist as well. So tell us a little bit about Colombia and your entrepreneur roots there. And then we'll we'll come back to Canada. My family was always in business. So my great grandfather owned a pharmacy and it was in my blood. They have it in their blood. My great grandmother was a great cook. (laughs) She she was an entrepreneur, but (laughs) she was a great cook. And my grandma, my Colombian grandma as well. So, you know, I always saw, but my grandma, she had all these cells, blood in her in her life and she was teaching me since I was little she was teaching me she was like I was selling and you know you have to put the nice thing behind you know at the back you show the ugly thing and then you show the nice thing after she was giving me tips (laughs) about how to sell you know like she was so sweet her name is it was Alicia and she 
she inspires me. She was a woman who, who really didn't have a lot of tools in her life. And she raised three kids, amazing kids that actually did really well. And uh, I think I had it in my life. My father was always traveling. I actually grew up in Ecuador. Then I moved to Colombia and then I moved to Venezuela and then I came back. So when we were traveling, I was always selling my toys. Like my, my parents were selling their, their furniture and I was in charge of selling my toys. So since I was little, I was always like, you know, talking to people, negotiating and, you know, connecting to people, which I love. It, it was part of my life, you know, sales have been part of my life. And then I wanted to become a doctor because of my commitment to community. In my family, we have 12 doctors. My, my grandpa was actually a senator in Colombia and um, he was a doctor. So he wanted to help communities and then he got into the political space. And then he didn't like it that much. So he went back to being a doctor. <laughs> so I, I said, okay, we'll, we'll do, I'll be a doctor. You know, I wanted to be a politician, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but here, I think there's a lot of opportunities for entrepreneurs and, and political, you know, like getting into government and help uh, others anyways. Um, but at that point, I wanted to become a doctor. But my aunt, my aunt Ruth, who was my, my light, the light of my life, she died uh, very, at a very young age. Oh, um, sorry. So, yeah, I was really de- devastated by that. And so I actually went to a psychologist and then she helped me understand what was my other passion in life. And it's communication, right? Like I like to talk to people and, you know, imagine a person who, who has a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, skills and then not being able to communicate in, in a proper English. So imagine when I got here, it was a little bit challenging. So I, I see the challenge of a lot of people who come to Canada and they don't speak English. And that's why I decided that when I went to Dragon's Den, I decided to feature my immigration as part of my journey. Because immigration is something amazing. I mean, moving and leaving your family behind, leaving your friends, your networks, and starting a whole new life is quite challenging. But I, I think. If you have a persistent and positive outlook in life, you will do well. My grandfather, my husband's grandfather were the first born, like the first to come. And I've always admired people to say, hey, let's pick up our lives and our children and family. And let's come to a country where we don't know the culture. Maybe that isn't even our first language, but we're going to come and we're going to make something of ourselves. And so, you know, kudos to you, Zuli, for for making that that leap across you know, from one country to another country. What made you decide to come? What, what was the prompt that, that said, okay, we need to go? Yeah, it's, it's quite challenging. I mean, it, I thank Canada for, for the opportunities they're giving to immigrants. Um, I came here being a journalist and a communication uh, manager. And, you know, you come here, you don't have any contact. So it's quite challenging. But at the end, the programs that the government created actually help immigrants to actually land somewhere. You know, at the beginning, it's quite challenging. And I always tell immigrants to be positive and to be adventurous, to try to continue to persist. I actually wrote an ebook about immigration and it's a free ebook called um, classicimmigrantstory.com. So yeah, so I, that was my, my way of giving back to immigrants and to probably give them the steps to follow and to give somehow some information so they, 
they find it because there are not a lot of places where people can find information when you're overseas. Yeah. Right. When you get into Canada, yes, you can find information. But when you are actually in the country, I was trying to buy a book or something. Nothing talks about the process. Nothing talks about, you know, so it would be nice if the Canadian embassies in the countries actually have some type of books about the steps to follow after you arrive to Canada. I think it's so important because I think when you hear about people who come, I mean, and they see it from a fresh set of eyes. They don't see it from people who've lived here. They see it from their own culture and the eyes of, oh, that's different. Because you were just saying 416 versus 416, right? And even though that's, that's similar, it's different. It's just because that's the way people pronounce it or many people pronounce it, right? So. That's right. I thought I spoke English, right? <laughs> but they're, they're the specific way of people doing things in every single region or in every single city. I came like, yeah, my phone number is 416. And it's like, no, 416, right? Like that's the way they do it here. So you yeah. have to adapt. You, you become a new person. So you came to Canada. And you found a job first before your business, right? Tell me us yeah. a little bit more about that. So I came to Canada and I waited around six months in the process. Like I was getting prepared, preparing my resume and learning about the culture, right? Like it takes time to actually absorb all those things. So luckily we were, we had the means in order to wait for a bit and, and, and just uh, learn. And then I was, open to start looking. And so I felt comfortable connecting with people and I got a job at a job fair. I, I actually started working as a supervisor for TD Bank. So that was amazing. You know, it was a very good job at the beginning, like being supervisor. It was not as, you know, probably going to a factory, you know, like other immigrants have to do that. And, you know, any, any job is okay, you know, but I was probably waiting a little bit, trying to find a good opportunity to start. So if you could wait a bit, maybe uh, that opportunity will lead you into a bigger opportunity later. That would be my, my advice, but that all depends on the situation of each uh, person. When did you decide that you were going to make this cap and take that leap to say, okay, I'm working here at the bank and I think I can do this. I can do this. Tell so, us. So at that time I was actually, I was that for- final thing that said, go, I'm going. So I went, I was working for PricewaterhouseCoopers and uh, I faced other challenges at the organization. You know, like there, there are many challenges that people or women face at organizations. At that point, I, I kind of touched my ceiling, right? Like I, I thought, okay, well, maybe I'm not good for the corporate world anymore. I, even though I loved it, I really had a lot of fun. And all my friends from PricewaterhouseCoopers or Scotiabank, they know how fun it was. I have great memories of my corporate life. and. Who knows? Maybe in the future, I, uh, you know, like I, I roll my companies, maybe I sell my companies and then I continue going and developing business. I, I am learning so much or maybe I will go into the government and create programs for women. That would be another great opportunity for me, you know, and that will actually develop my passion, which is helping. Right. So when I left Pricewaterhouse, so I decided to look deeper into the business I already started and then I developed my construction business. And I am having fun by doing that. But also when the opportunity came to the shower cap, I decided to go ahead. After looking at the numbers, I decided to 
actually do it and close that opportunity for me. It's working really well. It's a sellable product and, and now we're, we're growing the brand and hopefully we bring a lot of innovation for women that are looking for functional and products that actually work. What would you say are the challenges you faced once you said, I'm starting this business? What were the key things that problems you had to overcome to get to where this stage where you're saying things are developing now in a good way? So basically when you, as, as immigrant, when you come uh, or when you start, you start from zero and then you start going through. I mean, in business is different, of course, because you have a knowledge about what needs to be done. But then those decisions are the ones that actually mark your path and make it successful or make it a little bit challenging or totally out of control, right? Like how much you spend in different activities like social media, your website, and you don't know actually the cost of those expenditures, you know, and because you're alone, you cannot talk to your friends because your friends are not entrepreneurs. You come from the corporate world. I mean, unless you find entrepreneurs and my advice here to entrepreneurs is to connect to networks that actually are entrepreneurial based. So you guys can ask people and don't spend a lot of money by learning which was my case. So sometimes people are waiting for that opportunity. The opportunity won't come until you make it happen. You have to make things happen. So and give an example of, of how you made your own opportunity. Give, give us an example of that. I'm not going to wait until the shower cap comes. I, I actually made my own shower cap, right? Like I am not going to wait until <laughs> things come to my door. I'm going to, you know, here it is. We have many ways, like like in many ways, you know, people just complain about not having a lot of things and, and you just have to make it happen for yourself somehow. I don't know exactly what it is and I don't know what I'm saying right now here. Maybe the message that I'm saying is just don't wait, do it yourself. You have courage. That, that's the thing is that some people will say, I, I know somebody, he's been working on his business and all the all the things need to line up. And some people will actually just, just go for it and try, you know? And so I think what you're doing is telling people who just need that little nudge to try, to try, right? Or, or who have the courage anyways, and you're, and you're telling them to have it, you know, they're saying, fine, fine. I mean, I hope, I hope they get the message, right? Like I hope people get the message with what I'm doing and get inspired because I get inspired by other women as well, by other entrepreneurs that I see evolving. I love the creator of Spanx. And she's really open about sharing her experience. I love her, you know, and I, I love a lot of women that are just willing to help, you know, in the process. I'm learning from them and I hope I can learn more. Do you find that a lot of people that you approach have really been, you know, just ask and you just never know. They can say more often they'll say yes than they'll say no. Is that what you're finding, Zuli? It all depends, you know, you need to know who you have to ask. You kind of have to measure the space. You don't want to be all the time asking for things. You have to do your stuff too, right? Like it's, people like to help people who are doing their stuff, showing their work. I met a lot of people that are just waiting and waiting and yeah. waiting is not good. Like you have to actually work on your stuff and, and have some, some things to show. And then the opportunity will come. Or you actually create your own opportunities again. I kind of agree with you. I think that there are two types of people. I like you. I love to help people. That's my mission is how can I help other people? But what I find is 
I want to help people who want to be helped. But the last thing I want to do is to help people who just want to use me to further themselves, but they don't care to help anybody else. They won't pay it forward. They won't show gratitude. So it's all about me and me taking. Those are the ones that I just, my gut tells me, no, like, like I'm not as enthusiastic about helping you because it's all about you. It's not about a greater good, a helping somebody else, paying it forward. I, I see that a lot in my beginnings. I met a lot of people who actually told me, oh, you have to pay this much. And people who didn't want my success, who I know exactly who they are, and I help them anyways. You know, yeah. Yeah. I know, unfortunately, it exists. But yeah. you know, there is a lot for everyone. There is a banquet. We need to understand the opportunities are for all of us. Everything is for everyone. And we don't have to keep it to ourselves. We need to be more open. I will take five minutes and I will actually give the responses, even to the people who actually didn't help me at the beginning. And, and that's okay. You know, I hope they get their lesson. I hope they understand their mission. We're living. We're not, we're not here for long. By the way, I actually had a brain surgery when I was 20, you know, in my 20s. And I learned that we're living. Our lifetimes are very short. So we need to really give back to others. And we need to, you know, motivate others because that's our mission in life. I was in an Avida shop here in Toronto. And the lady was doing my eyebrows. And she wasn't happy doing what she's doing, what she was doing at that time. And she wanted to be a flight attendant. And I was like... So what does it take you to be a flight attendant? So I help her figure out, you know, all the steps that she needs to go through, like application during that session. <laughs> and then one day I was walking at the airport and she screamed my name. She remembered my name and she was a flight attendant. So, you know, whatever you can do for others, little things that you can do and you can really change somebody's life. And you never know that you, that that had made an impact. But when you do get that once in a while where somebody comes up to you and says, you feel really like, I, I just feel good hearing you say that story that you helped her. And, and now you're talking female, you're saying, I'm going to do my eyebrows. <laughs> I think that's so mm -hmm. cute. Now, I, I want to make sure we talk about Dragon's Den because you were on Dragon's Den. So a lot of our listeners might say, so what does it take? How did it feel? Tell, tell us the highlights for you of Dragon's Den and the outcome and the outcome as well. So Dragon's Den was amazing, actually. I wanted to be on Dragon's Den and I actually applied twice. So, you know, things don't happen right away. You don't have, you know, you don't think everything. For some people, it does happen at once. You know, they're lucky they get at first. But then I, was, I wasn't discouraged. I learned. Okay. And then I, I thought maybe this is another way. And then I, have, I had a mentor, actually my guru for Amazon, Matt. He was the one who actually told me, Suri, you should go in Dragon's Den. You should, your product should be in Dragon's Den. And I'm like, okay, but... I already went and, you know, he said, try it again, try it in Barrie. So I went to another location where they were doing auditions because Toronto was quite busy. So I went to Barrie and I applied there. And, and, the, and the good luck that I had is that the lady who did the audition for me, she used Sharka. So I, I actually, you know, not a lot of people, you know, not all the women in the world use Sharka. We need to know this. Let's say 50% of them. So she was the one who actually took me to the next level. 
And then they gave me the opportunity to be in Dragon's Den. It was like a space that actually between other, other pitches. So my pitch wasn't like the eat pitch. And in the end, it ended up being like the top pitch at the show, right? Like it was the last one, the, the, the one that they chose to close their, their, their episode. Yeah, so it was amazing. The experience was amazing. Everybody was so wonderful. Uh, you know, for me, it was facing the fire. I was facing the fire. I really was. Like I was putting my company to risk of being totally destroyed. I prepared myself. My mentors helped me to prepare in terms of numbers, in terms of everything I have to say there. I was prepared, but I was very nervous, of course, because they, things can turn bad in one second. And then your company is destroyed. Your idea is destroyed. It could be very, very, very harsh to your company, right? It's a big exposure. But I decided to see it because I wanted to have that big exposure for my product. And I was so lucky that Arlene remembered when I met her at a, at a conference. She was doing a, a presentation and I spoke to her. So she remembered and she mentioned that that day. And then the other men, the, the other dragons were so sweet. And, and you know, Michelle, she, every time uh, she can talk about the shower cap, she still uses the shower cap, by the way. She said she loves it. So I'm like, wow, Manjit, she offer mentorship. So she, she's great. I mean, they're, they're young entrepreneurs like me, you know, trying to do good. You know, unfortunately, these deals sometimes don't happen for a lot of entrepreneurs. I would say 95% of the time. Yeah. Uh, but in the end, I didn't want to give 30% of my company for $50,000, right? Right. So, so in the end, it worked out for everyone. They have their exposure. I did have my exposure. And we, we are connected, you know, somehow, maybe in the future. Who knows? The future is just uh, something that we all build. So I see a lot of good things in the future. Well, thanks for sharing the Dragon's Den experience, because I'm sure people are saying, so what does it take? How does it feel? I'm sure they, if, if I was listening, I think if I was on, I don't know how, whether I would sleep for a week or not. <laughs> I'd just be so nervous, right? It was, it was amazing. I mean, and, and, and that showed me as well as a, as, a, as a woman that I could be strong, that I did it. So it actually helps you, you know, like to actually face tough things or do bigger stuff actually builds you, helps you to become stronger. And, and that helps all others to see your, your skills. I see you on LinkedIn a lot and, and some of the success stories about good morning type shows that you're on. Can, can you share a little bit about some of those experiences and how did you like did dragon's Den come first and then that exposure like tell us a little bit about those opportunities to really get your brand out there yeah so as i said my product speaks by itself and i was lucky enough to reach one woman in the united states that actually connected me uh to the team for tori johnson which is the the person who actually brings all these deals on TV and they invited me to be part of their deals. Yes, I, I offer a discount, but at the same time, I have a great exposure of my product and, and more women are using the, the shower cap that actually is reusable. And, and so we're stopping disposable shower caps to be bought, right? So that was great. And actually it was on national TV. They gave me after a while, they gave me the opportunity for last May, for my birthday, they gave me the opportunity to speak on national TV in the States. So I was at the business, uh, small business segment for The View. 
and I was explaining my product and I was inviting women to upgrade their shower caps and, and it worked really well. A good call to action, right? Call to action. (laughs) I think, you know, I think once you put your energy and once you show your commitment and once you show uh, your grit. People are willing to help. They're they're willing to invest in you. They're willing to give you an opportunity. And you seize opportunities. Uh, share with us a famous or a couple of famous people who have been given the opportunity to try your shower caps. So I spoke to Sarah Jessica Parker. You wouldn't imagine such a big star, just such a humble soul. She was touching my feet. She was like, you know, showing me her shoes. And she was like the same way I was showing her my shower cap. We had the same passion and it was amazing, you know, like the connection between her and I. And, and I was very impressed about how, how sweet she is. I think meeting this level of people, you know, shows that, you know, the more high up you are, the more the humble you are, the more connection you get from them because they really want to help you. They want to hear your story. They want to do something up for you. So, yeah, Michelle Obama also impressed me a lot. I met Rachel. And, and you gave her one of your shower caps, right? You. Yes, I gave her. Yeah, I, I actually threw her a shower cap, but I didn't meet her at that time. I, I actually was in Montreal. I thought I was going to meet her. And I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't meet her that day because every room I was going, she already left. So by the time she started to talk, then I had to go to my chair so I was front row. So I decided to throw her a shower cap at the end and she was dancing with it. I was like, my God, like, you know, you know, security could do something to me, but I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. I don't care. You know, sometimes situations can be scary, but do it, you know, like maybe something. You does come seize up. the opportunity, right? You told us seize the opportunity and you're giving us a great example of what you did to to give it to, throw it to Michelle Obama. Yeah, cool. Uh, that was that was really great. It was a it was a, an amazing surprise that she danced with it and um, sure she's using it. And then I met her. I, I, that was in May. And then in October, I went to Ottawa to another of her shows and, and I decided to be part of the VIP list and meet her. So that's where I met her and, and she was just amazing. And I told her I, I, I threw your shark cap and, and we spoke about our grandmas being my grandma and inspiration. She, her grandma was another inspiration for her. So I think we all have kind of similar lives. One is the first lady of the United States. Another person is me. Right? Like, so we all have kind of the same lives. We have grandpas, we have grandmas that inspire us. We have dreams, we have hopes. And I think uh, the more we feel connected that way, the more we good we can do to each other right like the more we understand each other's life and we try to be light for others and i think the more we connect with each other and the more we talk to each other the more we realize there's lots we have in common and lots we have to learn and that's what i love about doing uh, hosting this show i i get to you know meet people and i get to hear about their stories and 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 actually help them share their stories because i think for entrepreneurs who love to learn through stories, it really resonates that you'll either learn something new, you learn something you don't want to do because of that experience, but you learn. And that's what I love about this. And I love the stories and, and the experiences you, you've, you've shared with us today. What's next for you, Zuli? So right now we're working on the rebrand. So we're actually having, I, haven't, I had an amazing 
being in and now we're working on the rebrand being in Ella Altitude gave me the opportunity of finding a company and be able to work with them and also having a great mentor and great fractional executives who helped me create the basis of my company in a bigger way so now we have a, a solid structure to move forward with what is coming next Alison Phillips developed a new logo for my company. Alison uh, was the designer for BlackBerry and Aritzia and Club Monaco. She's amazing. And now we got a logo by her. So we're very, very excited. Next, Alison 